Thank you for listening to the Collective Church Podcast. Collective is a church for the rest of us, which means if you have never been to church, walked away from the church, or are struggling to find a church you connect with, you belong here. Right now, Collective is fully online, so if you like the podcast, make sure to check us out on Facebook at My Collective Church on Sunday mornings at 9.25 a.m. for Collective Online. We would love for you to join us. A lot of big things are going on at Collective, so make sure not to miss a week this fall as we will be sharing about how God is moving in our church and what is next for Collective. Now, let's get into today's message. In September of 2014, Fox debuted a new reality TV show called Utopia. And the premise of the show was that 15 men and women would be placed in isolation and filmed 24 hours a day for a year. And the goal was to see if they could create their own ideal society and figure out how to survive together. Every week on Friday nights, there would be a recap of the previous seven days. But if that wasn't enough for you, you could pay $4.99 and watch on their live streams every minute of every single day what was going on in this planned community. Fox spent $50 million to create and produce the show. They interviewed thousands of applicants in order to pick the best contestants who had complementary skills, including a chef, a construction worker, farmers, medical professionals, and other skilled and innovative people. And by November 2nd, 2014, just two months later, the show was canceled. The show was meant to bring strangers together in pursuit of a perfect new world, a utopia, but the ratings immediately plummeted and Fox started losing millions of dollars. And one of the main reasons why was because of the cast. They fought all the time. Like they hated each other. They couldn't agree on what to make for dinner, let alone how to create an ideal society. It became cringeworthy TV and it started to feel more like real housewives of utopia or the real world utopia. What happens when people stop being polite and start getting real? In this case, the show gets canceled. Now, I never watched it, but I remember hearing about the show and thinking that there's something to be said about the fact that even a group of people who were brought together with the goal of creating the best society possible, who were paid to figure this out, who only had to care about 14 other people, including no kids, they couldn't even do it. Because even in a chosen society, unity is a challenge. Last week, we kicked off a new series called Perspective. And it's all about the fact that we get to choose how we view and respond to the trials that we face. And throughout this series, we're going to be working through a letter that Paul wrote to a church in Philippi. And he did that while he was in jail and awaiting execution. And last week, one of the verses we read was in Philippians 1, verse 30. And this is what Paul wrote. We are in this struggle together. You have seen my struggle in the past, and you know that I'm still in the midst of it. Now, I don't know about you, but that feels pretty relevant to me right now. Right? We are in a struggle together. But even when, we're, we, when we aren't in a pandemic, there's still struggles that we have. Family struggles, relationship struggles, financial struggles, self-worth struggles. So whether it's in a pandemic or just a really bad Monday, when we face struggles of any kind, we are ridiculously in control of how we view those struggles and how we respond. So for Paul, 
Even though he was in jail and awaiting a trial and a potential execution, his perspective was still on Jesus and the good things that come from following him. But in chapter two, he pivots away from talking about his own circumstances and he writes to the whole church, right? He writes to a community of people. So let's jump back into uh, today, into Philippians chapter two. This is how it begins in verse one. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ. Now let's pause there for a moment. This is really important. See, we need to remember that Paul is writing to a church. So he's talking to people who follow Jesus. The phrase he uses is being united in Christ. These are baptized believers who proclaim Jesus as their own personal Lord and Savior. Simply put, he's writing to Christians. So if you're watching this morning and you don't follow Jesus, you can kind of ignore this. And I know that sounds weird, but if you would say that you are not united with Christ, Paul isn't actually talking to you. Now, I don't necessarily suggest ignoring what he's about to say today because whether you follow Jesus or not, today's teaching is relevant and something that we actually all need to take to heart. But just to be clear, Paul is writing to Christians first. He says, therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. So Paul tells them, if you are a part of this church and you follow Jesus, be united. And this is something that Paul said to almost every single church he wrote letters to because Paul hated the fact that there was so much disunity in the church. Check this out. 1 Corinthians 1 says this, I appeal to you, dear brothers and sisters, by the authority of our Lord Jesus Christ to live in harmony with each other. Colossians 3, he says, Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us together in perfect harmony. Ephesians 4, make every effort to keep yourselves united. So Paul's encouraging them, as well as many other churches, to be united. And realistically, one of the things that he's telling them and us is to shift our perspectives in order to choose your community. Right? And Paul's talking about a church community, but this applies to any community that you're a part of your family, your friend group, your work community, your city, whatever it may be. If you follow Jesus, your perspective can't just be about yourself, right? When times are tough, when you're facing struggles, when things aren't going as expected, it cannot be all about you. You have to focus on your community. So Paul says, be like-minded, and he explains what this means by saying, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. And this phrase of being like-minded actually occurs 10 times in the book of Philippians. And it, it actually occurs 23 times in all of his combined writings. And what Paul is saying isn't that we all have to be the exact same people, right? Paul isn't saying to the church in Philippi that we have to have identical personalities. What he is saying is that Christians should strive to have the same values and the same goals. Another way to explain this is that Paul is encouraging them to have the same vision. At Collective, we say that we're a church for the rest of us. And that Collective was started for people who have never been to church, people who walked away from church, or people who've just struggled to find a church to connect with. 
And the verse that sums up our vision best is Luke 19.10, when Jesus says this, for the son of man came to seek and save those who are lost. Collective was started for people who feel lost, for people who feel lost in their faith, for people who feel far from God, for people who have doubts, for people who've been burned by the church, for people who aren't really even sure about God, for people who don't want their faith to just be about themselves, but about other people. Collective was started for lost and broken people, just like you and me. And unity and harmony at Collective will never be that we're carbon copies of each other. We don't all have to eat the same food, like the same music, watch the same shows, vote for the same candidates, work the same careers, look the same way, or have the same goals in life. That's not what Paul meant when he said, be like-minded. But we should have the same goal, which is to help people who are far from God experience the life that Jesus has to offer. To be honest, this is one of the reasons why the staff and leaders at Collective are so unapologetic about how we do church. Because while we might disagree on a lot of things, and the truth is there's a lot of things in the Bible that are non-essential to salvation. Like while that's all true, we should all strive to have the same visions and the same goals as, as a church. And for us, for Collective, that comes from Christ. And it's about living in a way that brings as many people as possible into love and the grace and the hope that Jesus offers. So Paul tells them, choose your community, be like-minded, have the same vision. And then he goes on to explain how we're supposed to do that. Check this out. He writes in Philippians 2, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in humility, Value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interest of the others. You choose your community by putting others first. And this is the core teaching to Christianity. This isn't new. Like Paul's not saying something they hadn't heard before. Jesus teaches that we're to love our neighbors as ourselves. Jesus also teaches the golden rule. Do to others whatever you would like them to do to you. John teaches that we should love one another. And this is the message that's been taught since the very beginning. So Paul isn't teaching anything that they haven't heard before. This isn't earth shattering for them. It's a reminder. You cannot live in a way where it's all about you. You choose your community by putting others first. When times are good or when times are bad, in the communities that you're a part of, don't be selfish. Value others above yourself. Choose others. Do you do that? I mean, really think about that, right? As you sit and watch today, do a real assessment of how you treat others in the good and bad seasons of your life. Do you put others first or is it all about you? Last year, a story about a little girl named Marley started to make its way through social media because of an incredible act of kindness. When Marley was just eight years old, she noticed a bump on her foot after playing in a soccer match. Assuming it wasn't a big deal, her mom monitor, monitored it for a few days, waiting to see if it would go away, but it never did. After multiple doctor visits and a biopsy, Marley was diagnosed with a rare form of cancer that only impacts 350 people a year. Immediate action was required, which actually resulted in her having her foot amputated. And then she started 40 weeks of chemotherapy. As her chemo was finishing up and her cancer was in remission, her oncologist reached out to the Colorado Make-A-Wish Foundation so Marley could get the gift of a lifetime. 
Now, Marley started to think about all the wishes that could be fulfilled. And first she considered going to the Galapagos Islands because she loves turtles. And then she even thought about bringing her whole entire family to Disney World. But after wrestling with what she wanted to do, she began to think about all the kids that she had met during her 40 weeks of chemotherapy and how staying in oncology for such a long time was hard, about how sad and lonely it was, how much she missed her friends and playing soccer. So instead of choosing something that would bring only her joy, she chose to bring joy to other kids who were battling cancer. You see, Marley made her wish and decided that she wanted to bring every single kid at the Children's Hospital in Colorado, their very own stuffed bear. She wanted to provide a stuffed animal to help other children get through the toughest times of their life, something that she knew about personally. Her wish was that each bear could be customized by the kids who knew the same fears and sleepless nights as her, and these bears could transform a child's bad day into a good day. When the big day arrived, Marley led the way as her helpers pushed carts overflowing with Build-A-Bears, each a gift of hope and comfort to her fellow hospital patients. As the story went viral, one of the interviews came out was with the event coordinator for the Make-A-Wish Foundation in Colorado. And when asked about this special day, this is what she said. She said, we make 250 wishes come true every year. And after doing this job for over 10 years, this is one of two times I've ever seen someone use their wish to give to others. Marley's resilience and her attitude are contagious. But what stands out the most about this nine-year-old girl is that in the middle of her own struggles, she didn't make it all about herself. Marley was going through something that no child should ever go through as she battled cancer, but she chose selflessness. She put others first. And maybe you saw the story. This is a beautiful story. And I believe that one of the reasons why this story went viral is because Marley chose to put others first in a way that we admire, but rarely do. I mean, think about it. When it comes to your friendships, is it always about what restaurant you want to go to? Is is it always about when it's convenient for you to hang out? When hanging out with your friends, do you only talk about your problems Or do you actually ask your friends how they're doing? And when you ask them, do you actually listen? Do you empathize? Empathy is sitting beside someone in their mess and seeking to understand their feelings. Or do you simply try to solve all their problems so you just don't have to hear about it anymore? Because there's a really big difference. In your marriage, do you expect your spouse to make all the sacrifices? Do you create space for your spouse to share how they're feeling, both good and bad? Men, do you care about your wife's needs or is the marriage all about you? It doesn't matter how much money you make or if you have the title of VP or CEO. In your marriage, do you put your spouse first? In your struggles, do you make everything all about you? When things aren't going well at work, when you're dealing with insecurities, when you're behind on your finances, when you just have a bad day, do you make it all about you, ignoring what's going on with everybody else around you because you feel like your struggles and your problems are more important. When it comes to church, is it all about you? About how you're being spiritually fed, about how you're being cared for, about what you want or what you think you need from the pastors or leaders of the church? Do you desire for people in your life who don't know Jesus to have a relationship with him? Do you spend time every single day praying for your friends and family and coworkers who don't know Jesus and the fact that maybe one day they put their faith in him and get baptized? Do you sacrifice your time and your finances and your talents so that other people can experience Jesus? So that other people can have a safe place to explore God in faith.
I mean, remember, Paul is writing to a church. So it shouldn't surprise any of us that Paul is calling out people who only consume, who make it all about themselves, who put themselves first. And yes, this was a few thousand years ago, but we do this too. I do this. We make it about us, what we want, what we like, what we don't like, our time, our money, our talents. But Paul is tearing down this thought and saying, if you are a follower of Jesus, you cannot live in a way that makes it all about you. And to be honest, this is one of the most toxic traits in the church, churches that are all about themselves, pastors that are all about themselves, Christians that are all about themselves. To be honest, it's sinful. It's out of alignment with, with, with what God wants for his church. So Paul from prison is reminding these people to choose others, not just when it's easy to do so in the trials, in the storms, when it's inconvenient, put others first. And listen, this isn't just something that Jesus and Paul tell us to do. It's actually good for you to put others first. It's like God knew a thing or two when he was putting this whole thing together. Check this out. Research has found many examples of how doing good in ways big or small not only feels good, but also does us good. It's been repeatedly documented that volunteering can boost your well-being and has depression-lowering benefits. Also, people who volunteer regularly have a higher sense of meaning and purpose in their lives. When it comes to money, spending it on others predict, predicts increases in happiness compared to spending it on ourselves. That's why retail therapy and buying a bunch of things for yourself when you're feeling down is actually a toxic habit because it doesn't actually make you happy. Moreover, there's now neural evidence from studies suggesting a link between generosity and happiness in the brain. In fact, the mere intent and commitment to generosity can stimulate neural change and make people happier. Lastly, recent research suggests that another way our well-being can benefit from practicing behavior that puts others first helping others regulate their emotions. In other words, showing empathy and creating space for other people to have transparent conversations helps us regulate our own emotions. It decreases symptoms of depression and ultimately improves our emotional well-being. And that's, that's science. But it isn't just the right thing to do or the godly thing to do, or the mentally and emotionally healthy thing to do, or even because it makes Paul's joy complete. You choose your community by putting others first because Jesus put you first. Paul continues, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. So be like-minded, be humble, put others above yourself, have the same mindset as Jesus. And he explains what that means who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So if you are a follower of Jesus, you are called to love others the way that Jesus loved them. By taking on the nature of a servant, by humbling ourselves, 
by sacrificing ourselves. And listen, I know this goes against everything that culture tells us to do, right? The world tells us to focus on ourselves, to put ourselves first, to care only about ourselves, that the number one thing that we can do is our problems and our stuff and our life. But the good news is the world doesn't dictate our perspective. We do. And sometimes I read what Jesus teaches and I wonder what the world would be like if people actually trusted him and did what he taught. Like, I'm being serious. If every person chose humility and putting others first, what would this world be like? And I know what some of you are thinking, and you might not say this out loud, but you're thinking it. If I only put others first, who's gonna take care of my needs? But that's the beauty of it. Someone else in the community would. Choosing others only comes at a deficit when that isn't the desire of the full community. I mean, this is why the cast of Utopia failed, right? Even a group of 15 people who were chosen to put in this scenario couldn't make a community that got together and, and was ideal and perfect and what everything and everything that they wanted. But if every person chose to put others first in their communities that they're a part of, your needs would still be met. You would still matter. You would still be taken care of. And that's what Jesus wanted for us. That's what Paul wants for the church, that no matter what season we're in, no matter what trials we're facing, no matter what we're struggling with, we choose others. And if you follow Jesus, that is foundational to your faith, no matter how hard life is, because this is the example set by Jesus when he chose to put you first. Now, I said earlier, if you aren't a follower of Jesus, that Paul wasn't really talking to you. So if you checked out, now's the time to check back in. Because I want to read again what Paul wrote to, about Jesus in this part of the letter. Let's read that again. He's talking about Jesus. He says, Who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death even death on a cross. Now, if you don't follow Jesus, this is your takeaway for today. Simply put, Jesus chose you. Right? Jesus loves you so much that he came to earth and lived a perfect 33 years, and he gave up his life as a sacrifice for you. He chose pain and humiliation and death on a cross so that you could have an opportunity to know him, to follow him, to trust him, so that you could experience forgiveness, so that you could know that you are worthy of being loved. So while the Christians who are listening today are being called to live like Jesus and treat others the way that Jesus treats people, you are being called to put your faith in Jesus and to choose Jesus because he chose you. And I know that we talk about this every week, but that's because Jesus' goal was to come to earth to save you. And it's collective's job to help you understand that and show that to you. So if you're ready to put your faith in Jesus, to shift your perspective, to say yes to the grace and endless second chances that Jesus offers, to join the 77 other people at Collective who have said yes to the life that Jesus offers and get baptized, or you just want to have a conversation about it, we would love to talk with you this week. You know, when the pandemic first started, it was really cool 
to see story after story of people stepping up in their communities. You'd see it on social media, on Facebook, on YouTube. Whole accounts were created just to share these wonderful stories. It was inspiring. It was encouraging. It was beautiful. But as this thing has worn on, those stories are dwindling. Maybe it's because the shine has worn off or maybe it's because we're starting to focus on ourselves again. So our challenge is to not be that type of community. So let's not be that church. Let's not be those neighbors. Let's not be those friends. Let's choose our community by putting others first because Jesus put us first. Let's pray. God, thank you so much um, that for whatever reason that we don't understand, we'll never fully understand that you chose to put us first. God, that you sent your son to live a perfect life, um, to sacrifice it for us because of the debt that our sin created. And God, the entire time that's happening, all you're doing is thinking about us and how much you love us and how much you want to be in a relationship with us. And God, you recognize that we could not figure this out on our own, so you gave up your own son for us to put us first. So God, we're thankful for that. God, we don't understand it, but it's life-giving. And God, we know that we need it. So God, I, I pray for everybody who's listening today, who follows you, who's, who's recognized that for some reason you chose us. God, for some reason you put us first. God, I pray that we as followers of Jesus can put others first as well. God, that we can show people in our communities, whether it's our church or our work or our family or our neighborhoods, your love. God, help us have the courage to do that. God, help us stay focused on you. Help us shift our perspective onto others and not make it all about ourselves during this tough time or during any tough time that we go through. God, we're so thankful for your love. I pray that this week we can bring that back out into our community. Um, God, ultimately that the shine doesn't wear off when it comes to loving and putting other people first. God, we love you. I pray these things in your name. Amen.